0: Hello, and welcome to Boston Private Perspectives. I'm Shannon Sakosha, Chief Investment Officer at Boston Private. As we enter into the summer months, we will continue to share our thoughts and views through this podcast series, and we appreciate you continuing to join us. Heightened anxiety and a general feeling of uncertainty have been the hallmarks of the last several months and we understand that you have a lot to be concerned about. We are here to try to provide relevant information on how what's happening in the markets and the economy may impact you, your family, or your business in the coming months. In last week's episode, we discussed the threat of rising tensions between China and the United States as a potential cloud on the horizon. Exuberance around reopening has pushed the equity markets back almost to where they were prior to the coronavirus outbreak. The credit markets have firmed, and in fact, low interest rates and the Fed's accommodative policies to combat the crisis have created a rush of corporate bond issuance. Economies outside the United States are reopening, Chinese data is strengthening, and even travel and leisure companies like Disney and Cruise Lines are seeing bookings tick up. And yet skeptics continue to point to the divergence between Wall Street and Main Street as a source of concern. So in this podcast, we are going to provide an update on where we are from an economic perspective. We have discussed the stimulative policies of the Fed and the federal government in previous podcasts. So what effect are they actually having? Overall, when we look across a broad range of economic data, we still see numbers that are indicative of a recession. While economists spend a meaningful amount of time dissecting the data from each release, investors tend to be more closely focused on trend in order to invest ahead of the opportunity or risk for economic improvement or deterioration. Over the course of the last several weeks, there were several economic data releases which cast doubt on the potential for a recovery. One example was April retail sales, which were released in mid-May. They fell by 16.4%, marking the largest drop in history, and significantly worse than the consensus estimate for 12%. Car sales were off over 12% in the month, compounding a 25% drop in March, while gasoline sales fell by almost 30%. Not surprisingly, non-store retail sales, think Amazon, increased by 8.4%, but that was the only bright spot. As food and beverages fell more than 13%, department stores fell almost 30%, and apparel sales dropped by an unfathomable 78%. Industrial production was pretty disappointing in April as well, as it fell by over 11% month over month. The factory production sub-index fared even worse, declining by 13.7% over the same period, its largest decline since 1919. While the effect on the consumer has been the primary focus for economists, The supply chain dislocation stemming from Chinese factory closures created challenges for manufacturers even before consumer spending ground to a halt. The rebound in the manufacturing economy was expected to be one of the major tailwinds for the U.S. economy coming into 2020, but this deceleration in activity and utilization in U.S. factories points to a very muted outlook for these sectors over the next several quarters. Jobless claims have also been a source of tremendous anxiety. With over 42 million people filing for unemployment in the United States since this crisis began, and over 21 million people continuing to receive benefits, there are fears of a sustained period of outsized unemployment should businesses be unable to rehire as the economy reopens. This unemployment has contributed to the surge in mortgage delinquencies, as the delinquency rate for mortgages rose from 3.06% to 6.45%, the largest ever monthly increase. Credit cards and auto loans are also going unpaid during this difficult time. Inflation remains underwhelming. While the drumbeat of cheap money leads to inflation can be heard in the distance, headline measures are reminding us that we aren't quite there yet. In April, U.S. CPI fell to 1.4% year-over-year, as gasoline prices fell by almost 21%. Even removing the impact of energy and food, April inflation declined by 0.4%. This was the first month in over two years that core inflation in the United States did not print above 2%. Other areas of decline in prices were apparel, insurance, and airline fares offset in part by an increase in the cost of food purchased for at-home consumption. While these data points were clearly disappointing, recent data has had a more optimistic tone. One of the most important measures for the direction and strength of the economy are the Institute for Supply Management surveys, both manufacturing and non-manufacturing, as they tend to correlate with economic activity over the next 12 to 18 months. For May, manufacturing showed that it remains in contraction, as the ISM survey rose to 43.1, which does represent modest progress from April's 41.5 print. As manufacturing makes up less than 15% of the overall U.S. economy, it's important to take a look at the services side, which is represented by the ISM Non-Manufacturing Index. This index actually rose to 45.4 from 41.8 in April which is a pretty strong increase month over month. Leading the index higher for the month were moderate increases in business activity and orders, while the employment index was virtually unchanged. Prices were also slightly higher than April's report. Consumer sentiment appears to be improving as well. Surprising to the upside was the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index, which posted an increase from April, coming in at 73.7 in May. The fact that consumer sentiment improved in the first half of May is likely the result of the government stimulus programs, and is reflected in the fact that the expectations portion of the index actually fell, while the current conditions index increased markedly. The conference board's consumer confidence index also increased in the month, and as with the University of Michigan report, the current conditions component of the index was stronger than future expectations perhaps reflecting this enthusiasm around reopening. Evidence of this bump in consumer confidence could be seen in the most recent new home sales data. While existing home sales declined precipitously in April, down over 18%, new home sales actually rose, up 1%. This data is consistent with the improvement we've seen in home builder sentiment and recent mortgage application metrics, and is reflecting an increase in demand sooner than anticipated. Perhaps the best news thus far was the May non-farm payrolls report. This report may go down as the biggest surprise or worst consensus forecast in U.S. government data history. Ahead of the report, expectations were for a 7.5 million job decline, with the unemployment rate rising to 19.5%. Instead, non-farm payrolls rose by the highest amount ever in a single month, with 2.5 million jobs added. This increase in jobs resulted in a decline in the unemployment rate to 13.3% from 14.7% in April and also showed an increase in the participation rate to 60.8%. The better-than-expected results were attributable to hiring at restaurants and by dental offices and were offset by continued losses in hospitality as well as electronics and automotive retailers. Government payrolls also shrunk during the month. Initial indications are that the Paycheck Protection Program may have contributed to the spike in hiring, with the permanence of the recovery still in question. In addition, the recovery has been uneven thus far, with minority unemployment still 4-5% to higher than that for white Americans. There are also some questions about some of the data being potentially misclassified, but overall the trend which is what investors are most focused on, is positive. So if you are scoring at home, it appears that a nascent economic recovery could be at hand. But it is still a time to be cautious. Both the $1,200 stimulus checks and additional unemployment benefits paid through the CARES Act have cushioned some of the blow of lost income to the millions of Americans who have been furloughed or laid off over the last three months. In addition, the PPP program has created an incentive to rehire employees who may have been laid off recently, but should sales for these businesses fail to improve, economic factors may result in a second wave of unemployment for those in services-related businesses. The job losses have been concentrated in industries that faced immediate impacts from the global pandemic – travel, hospitality, and the restaurant industry. But there are numerous other businesses, small and large, that are either consumers of or suppliers to those companies. And those companies are in some ways waiting to see what happens before determining how these challenges could impact their prospects for the rest of the year. The US economy seemed poised to reaccelerate coming into 2020, but with the threat of a resurgence of the virus, a trade war, and a very contentious election at hand, Seeing these green shoots over the coming weeks will be important on so many levels. Thanks again for listening to this week's podcast. I want to encourage all of our clients to reach out to your Boston private team with any questions or concerns you may have. Providing guidance and support as your trusted advisor is our mission. If you have any questions or thoughts on my points today, you can find me on Twitter at Shannon Sakosha. You can also read our latest perspectives by visiting bostonprivate.com. And if you want all of this information delivered right to your inbox, I encourage you to sign up while you're on our website. Be sure to subscribe to the Boston Private Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify, wherever you prefer to listen. And I look forward to coming to you once again from my home studio next week.
1: This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth Management Services are offered through Boston Private Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank & Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.